Episode 6, the long-awaited Episode 6 of the Sandman Universe Gatherum here at the Chris and Reggie channel. Now, it's been a little while since uh, we've updated any actual comics content here, and I figured it was just about time to maybe get back on that horse and uh, give it another go. Uh, before we go into it, I do want to repeat myself. I, I do that quite often. I wanted to thank everyone for their well wishes over the past month. Uh, it's been helpful to everybody. It's been... Uh, Real wonderful to see. Now, today, we're going to be discussing five books. We generally discuss four here, but due to some uh, recording mishaps earlier in the winter, uh, we've got five today. Uh, we're going to be discussing Lucifer number five, and that originally aired on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast on February 24th, 2019. From there, we go to Books of Magic number five, which originally aired on March 3rd, 2019. And then... We have a trifecta. We have three books. They all aired on March 24th, 2019, and that is The Dreaming Number 7, House of Whispers Number 7, and Lucifer Number 6. want to thank you for sticking by us here, and uh, we hope you enjoy the show. See ya! Sandman Universe segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have uh, one book, which this, this isn't the end of the arc, we don't think. Maybe we don't know what the hell no. is. Uh, what book yeah. do we have today? <laughs> <laughs> We've got issue five of Lucifer. The story is called The Man Who Bested the Devil Not Once But Twice. It's by Dan Waters, Sebastian and Max Fiumara, Dave McKegg, and Steve Wands. And, I mean, if you've been following along with us so far, you don't know what way is up, and, and neither do we. Mm -hmm. But uh, <laughs> we do open the story with uh, Stingy Jack. Uh, that's the guy that we kind of, uh, I think we might have called him Jack the Ripper a few times. Just we thought to, he uh, might be Jack the Ripper. I thought he might be Puck. He's the guy in the bowler derby that's been kind of yeah, hanging with, around Yeah, with the Lucifer. raggy hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he's drunk, and he's sitting on the side of an old-timey road bragging about how he had just bested the devil. Uh, we get a feeling that this is in the past because there was a horse-drawn carriage in the road, so we're figuring this is probably right. in the long ago at some point. Yeah. Uh, his story is that he trapped the devil in an apple tree by surrounding the thing with crosses when the devil climbed up to pick him a fruit. And then, 
Jack dies. Like, he just keels over dead. Nothing <laughs> happens to him. He just dies. And then he even has one of those, uh, you know, out-of-body, ghost-looking-at-its-own-corpse sort of experiences where he's like, oh, look, I'm dead. And uh, at this point, he swears that he hears the call of heaven, but another has different plans because the specter shows up. Yeah. We think. Or it could be a... <laughs> Earlier Spectre, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a earlier, uh, what does he call himself? Incarnation. The, uh, ven- the Vengeance of God or whatever he claims to be. I forget what, what the Spectre One of those, yeah. Whatever it is, though, like this was an earlier one. But I, got, I did get the impression that it was an emissary, a spectral, Spectre-esque uh, emissary of, that, of God. Yeah, <laughs> part of that lineage. Uh, right, right. But it does have a little mask, which looks like when Hal was Spectre. Yeah, yeah that little that, that's mask why. Too, it's but... got a green tit to him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not quite. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Now, uh, Jack introduces himself to this Spectre as Happy Jack, but the Spectre corrects him because it's Stingy Jack. And guess what? He ain't going to heaven. Nope, Jack heads into hell. Actually, the Spectre even peels open the ground to show him. Climb on down. Uh, Where he finds himself with having an audience with Lucifer, you know, the guy that he trapped in an apple tree, and uh, tells him he's not wanted or welcome. So it seems like Jack's got nowhere to while away eternity. Uh, Lucifer ain't a total bastard, though. He gives Jack a lantern to guide him out with the flame of hell in it that I guess is eternal is the idea. It's not going to go out. Yeah. Uh, And after trekking through the darkness for a long, long time, uh, he winds up back on Earth in the present day, which was not a bad trade. Uh, Nope. Although the amount of time he had to walk might have not been uh, that great. Uh, So Jack crosses paths with Caliban and follows him to Penny Ewell Decker's apartment. Uh, She tells that awful golem to go away and can't say that I blame her. I would say the same thing. Uh, He just wants to know if she knows where his father Lucifer might have gone to, but only gets a door slammed in his face. And of course, Jack is very interested to hear this development. Mm -hmm. Uh, We hop back to the actual present inside wherever the hell that, you know, Lucifer is trapped that town. Where Jack is chopping Lucifer to bits And this seems to be rather the routine This has happened pretty often, happened before Uh, And as this goes down We pan out all the way out And finally learn just wherever the hell is It's inside the skull of Sycorax Huh (laughs) Okay, now back in the mundane world We rejoin John Decker And it looks like he has just choked out his former brother-in-law With the phone cord He notices that his Sycorax pendant has fallen off And his head begins to pound and it's at this point that Sycorax herself is able to connect. If you remember, over the past few issues, she's been trying to phone somebody, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a, you know, they couldn't get through. We thought Lucifer turn- maybe at one time, you know, we, we weren't We didn't sure. know who, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, it turns out that uh, she was trying to get a hold of Decker, and that pendant that he wore around his neck that his brother-in-law gave him was keeping her from connecting. Mm. And uh, now that she can speak to him, she's got a job for him. You see, she needs her skull back. Huh. Mm. Well, she originally wanted Penny to do this job, uh, but to relieve her of her pain, John killed her back in the first issue. Right. Now, the tumor that she had wasn't so much cancer, at least not in the way we know it, uh, which is why it appeared to jump from Penny's head into John's after she passed away. And so uh, he's he's the one test with this gig, and Sycorax reveals that her skull is being kept in Gately House, probably in that room that we peered into I don't remember what issue it was, but yeah, uh, there was that one room. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that was a super like uh, messed up room. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it's uh, this this I thought this was pretty clever. Basically, Sycorax installed a little yeah. telephone booth in their brains, you know, and <laughs> tried to call them. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Gately House, we head there next. <clears throat> excuse me, 
and meet up with Caliban and the woman with the speech impediment, which is really an annoying woman to read. It is. Yeah. Uh, Caliban tears through some wallpaper, revealing a wall full of Sycorax sigils. And, uh, oh, John Decker, some as... Somehow already reclaims Sigrax's skull, just like he just picks it up off of a... Yeah, we like don't desk. even see him go there. He's just there. Just, he's just holding it. It's like, oh, well, yeah. that, that was not that hard, I guess. Uh, <laughs> looks like he might just destroy the thing, though. He thinks this whole business is too crazy Evil. for him. Uh, back inside Sigrax's skull, Stingy Jax feeds Lucifer's fingers to the ravens, and then he's confronted by Sigrax herself. He sicks some of those ethereal ravens on her, but she reminds him that Ravens are not only, uh, they don't only belong to Lucifer. Other people use mm-hmm. ravens too, which actually I thought was a pretty good allusion to dream also. When he to the dreaming, Lucifer, yeah. yeah. Uh, but she slices up real good with a shard of moonlight. And then she heads over to Lucifer's limp carcass and sheds a bit of light on his plight. And those buried statues are that he's been digging up are aspects of her memories. Lucifer wants to excavate him and she's not totally thrilled with that idea, as you might imagine. <laughs> but that's how she, that's what I... Mm-hmm. Now we jump back to that room with the frescoes in it, the one that we've been ending each chapter with so far, uh, and Lucifer talks to his son Caliban. Uh, Caliban is preoccupied with his little red figurines, and we learn that those were made by his mother. You see, Caliban and his mother were exiled on an island, and she made these just to make sure that her son knew that there was other things in the world than just the two of them and this island. Lucifer spends a couple pages pontificating for a bit uh, before revealing that, in no uncertain terms, he was responsible for their exile. And uh, there's kind of an illusion here uh, in the conversation between Sycorax and Lucifer in the wherever the hell that Caliban might have had something to do with Lucifer's own current exile. Yeah. She, she says, like, well, what did he do? What did you make him do? So uh, he might have something to do with it. I think I think this is we're going to see a collusion between Stingy Jack and Caliban. Now that things have come into focus, that's what it, that's what it feels like a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Now, Sycorax pulls out her sewing kit and tries to sew Lucifer back together again, which it seems like this is just another one of those routine occurrences, just like Stingy Jack cutting him to pieces. She's right. there to sew him back together. Uh, and then we wrap up with Stingy Jack assembling an army out of the folks that Lucifer has wronged over the years, and uh, it looks like he's whooped up quite an angry mob. Yeah, I can imagine there'd be quite a number of people involved, or, or people and <laughs> beings sure. of all different kinds have been uh, tricked by Lucifer over the years, if the stories are correct. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool, huh, Chris? It was. Yeah, it was. There was a lot in this issue. To really like uh, mm-hmm. a lot of aspects. Um, I really like the idea of living inside the skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the idea of Stingy Jack having that that whole back and forth. You know, he tricked the devil, but the devil really tricked him into an eternal yep. purgatory. But then they trick who's tricking who? It's that old grift everybody's thing. tricking everybody. Yeah, it's um, great. but there's of course is one problem with this, Chris. <laughs> there is indeed. It, is that we have uh, spent quite a bit of money to get here. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, you know we were talking a bit where like you have those stories where you where you get the big reveal, the big aha moment, and we you can go back and reread the first several issues, and it's like and the tropes just start popping out at right. you. This isn't the case here because the the little hints and breadcrumbs here, if we can even call it that, even call them that, is they're only applicable to this story. Mm. It's not like there's nothing that really resonates outside of this story. That we can go back to and kind of sink our teeth into. And uh, like you said, we spent $20 so far, $24 counting this issue, mm. and about a half a year. And it's only after this point that it feels like we even have the tiniest bit of solid ground under our feet. Yeah, and it, it, it turned into an actually 
cool story, but we if we didn't do anything uh, along the way to get there, you know, it, yeah. it didn't didn't give us anything. There was I don't think there was any way we could have guessed that those statues represented Sycorax's no. memory. Am I saying that right? Is it Sycorax or Sycorax? Uh, <laughs> whatever it is, but uh, I don't think there's any way to know that, or even that we, that we, they were, that we were in inside her skull. Uh, I don't think there's any way to really understand that the tumor in Penny and then in uh, Decker was you like know, somehow coin. even related yeah. to, to Sycorax. You know, you'd have to make such leaps of logic to make these things fit. Yeah. That, uh, it's just, it's not a satisfying no. conclusion, or not that this is a conclusion, but not a satisfying... It's a reveal. Reveal. It's not, there's, there's no reveal here, exactly. Everything it's like is, a very lazy detective story. It's more or less contained all in this issue, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that being the case, this ends up being a singularly pretty great issue you know? it's true it's but true. it's this I, you can't deny the money and, and it really it does come down to money frankly that's really what it, it is uh you can't deny the money you've spent to get here and just feel like well what was all that about you know what i mean that was a lot of dough i just dropped on this thing <laughs> to get this one issue um i would tell people maybe to get this one issue i'm not sure if you could follow it perfectly to be, you know if this were to be the first issue of the series it would need some sure. tricks, you know what I mean? But it, but it could work. I think it. I think it would be like coming out of the gate, you know, with mm-hmm. rockets. You know what I mean? Like, holy cow! For we would have. Sure. This would have been the first one. We would have been like, wow, this is yeah, a crazy book. You know what I mean? Uh, as it is, we're just like, oh wow, what a cool vertigo esque story. We'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So what what did you give it on, on the site? Well, you know, I, I wanted to give it a higher score than I did because this was singularly a, a fun issue to read. And uh, like you said, not satisfying insofar as the ahas are concerned. But now I finally feel almost comfortable yeah. in this in this world or these worlds, I guess you could say. But, you know, we spent an awful lot of time and money uh, getting here. And uh, I feel like this only confirms what we've been saying that, you know, this doesn't have much right being a monthly book. Uh, this should be just maybe a semi-annual uh, original graphic novel, or mm-hmm. maybe a quarterly book where you get you get a story every time you buy the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where this is just we're getting a story here, but we haven't gotten a story for the past five months. And uh, I still came out ahead, though. I, I gave this an eight out of ten. Yeah, I'll tell you, if you were to double the page count, make this an OGN. And charge ten bucks, which would be you know just double you know two comics. Basically, yeah. Uh, I think it'd be worth it. I think sure. it could be worth it. I you know this stylistically, uh, you know, art wise and plotting, everything is is correct there, and it would make it makes for a good story once revealed. It's just the mm-hmm. crawling there to pay the twenty, and because of it, it again, maybe this is you know my New Yorkness or whatever, but uh, it comes down to the money. I I would come down a full point from you. I think I'd go in at seven <laughs> out of ten. Uh, if this was the only issue or the first issue, I'd probably go as high as an 8.5 or 9. Even. Sure, for but, sure. But yeah. just because essentially what we're looking at is, okay, this is now a 25, uh, isn't it 499, right? I believe, or is it 399? It's it's one of the two, but I mean, even either, even either in the lowest case, case, it's 24 bucks. A $24 yeah. story, this one issue is not worth $24, $24 and that's the only issue that's worth anything. So... Uh, if you've been on the fence about this book, wondering should I dip my toe in? Hey, here looks like a good place. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Save yourself, absolutely. save yourself some uh, some money uh, there. But otherwise, yeah, I, I if if this was the uh, alternate world where I reviewed it on the site, I would have given it a seven with a long-winded explanation as to why. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, next week, we, we think we're pretty sure we have a book next week. We do. We think we have Books of Magic, where we're going to join Tim Hunter as he finally steps foot into the dreaming himself, mm-hmm. in, theory. in theory. I wonder if everything's going to happen in that issue, too, you know? And, and uh, just as sort of an aside, I've seen this on a couple of books lately coming from D.C., where uh, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I review Aquaman. And uh, sure. that got taken over by Kelly Sue DeConnick and uh, Robson Roca, and it looks it looks awesome, and it's been all right. But now in the third issue of her run, everything got revealed. It was like, and it yep. was actually an awesome issue. But you can't help but think, why did we have those other two issues? Then, like, why are we bothering? That's and, the problem. That's and, the problem uh, for sure. That puts me on my wait, writing for the trade soapbox, which is for a whole other podcast. We don't even talk about <laughs> get into that here. So, uh, yeah, so next week, Books of Magic, we're pretty sure mm-hmm. we don't actually have the comp now, so that's not a money-back guarantee. Uh, I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? No, I think that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it dreamy. section on the weird science dccomics.com podcast my name is reggie my name is chris and we have today a book of magic to read today, mm-hmm. right? we do it's the fifth issue of books of magic which uh, if anything uh, if we know anything it means this is the uh, penultimate issue of mm-hmm. this arc and uh, that'll be confirmed later uh now the story is called a twist in the narrative by cat howard tom fowler jordan boyd and todd klein and uh, if you remember last issue, we ended with Tim Hunter and Yo-Yo about to enter a door that uh, they claimed would lead into the Dreaming. And uh, as we open here, they enter into the Dreaming, and they descend down a long flight of floating steps. Now, this is kind of strange to Tim, because, uh, you know, the last time he was around, it was a far shorter trip. Uh, he just attributes this to the new guy in charge, and... Uh, 
I don't know if that means Judge Gallows or if that means who we're going to meet uh, pretty soon. I think it means who. Well, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> we don't know when this is. Yeah. Uh, now, the stairs shatter when Tim reaches that fissure in the skies of the Dreaming, and Tim falls to the ground, and he notices that the place looks a whole lot different than it was last time around. And he also notes that those soggies are uh, hanging around, and those are yeah. certainly a new addition. Uh, But undeterred, he presses on and heads into the library. And inside, he meets Eve. And uh, she tells him that Lucien, uh, the librarian he knows, is currently indisposed. And, uh, uh, you know, we we take that as meaning, uh, you know, she doesn't want to tell him that he's dead because he's currently dead, right? He's he's definitely dead for now. But do do remember, this is a comic book, and this is the dreaming, so I I will guarantee we won't ever see him again. It's true. Now, she uh, she says that she might be able to help him, and, and she looks pretty brutal here. She does, yeah. It's, it's rough. She's, she's not supposed to be pretty. That's her, that's the thing, but whatever. But, I mean, this is just really hey, rough. Hey, listen, when you're, uh, when you're the first woman, you don't have to be hot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, not a lot of competition. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, fellas. All right. Now, Tim tells her that he seeks the books of magic. However, this here is a library of dreams, and these books were never written in the waking world. But that doesn't make them any less real to the ones that were. Uh, if you say so. So yeah. e- Eve tells Tim the story of the biblical Eve and her two sons. We know them as Cain and Abel, of course. This is the first time uh, Chris was making the Eve connection right here. I never thought about it. You never thought this is her. This is the very first yeah. woman, the one made of a rib. Mm. Uh, the gist of the story is that it can be looked at in a couple of different ways, but they're both true. Tim sees it differently now and comes around to the idea that things in his own story might be different if he stops and think about how he looks at it. Uh, He's pleased with this outcome. He sets about to look for a way back home. He runs into the moth child thing from the end of the Dreaming Six, the thing that I'm pretty sure is in charge of the Dreaming now, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Something, someone's in charge. We only saw it once. We only saw it the one time, and it babbled, and then told us it was crazy. So that's that's what we know about it. Uh, And it, it does freak me out, I will say that. Uh, it's unpleasant to look at, yeah. It's it's almost like psychological thriller, like a moth with a baby's face kind of messes me up. <laughs> uh, they talk. Uh, we I really couldn't make much of it, and I don't think I don't think you're supposed to. I think this is this might be one of these things where, uh, you know, it'll be clearer later, maybe. But it's Just a lot because Tim of like recognizes him. I do get the impression that Tim. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like Tim looks at him and sees that it's that it's Daniel. Uh, dreaming, maybe. or maybe he recognizes the helm of the dreaming. I don't really get it. I mean, the helm is broken, but recognizes the person at the helm or the thing at the helm. It's too much. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't really understand. Uh, and what what sucks is when this book opened, it's this super splash of these colorful psychedelic, oh, it's awesome, super yeah. pages. Like, it makes the dreaming look like you're walking into the Twilight Zone. Uh, and right about now, it just kind of like all the life drops out of the book. <laughs> Uh, in fact, right after this part of the moth uh, thing, let's keep Kim, Tim keep one of the books he got in the library. Tim asks what the trick to reading it is, and it turns out there's no trick this time. You just flip the pages and uh, read it like a manga from back to front. Uh, Tim is told he can stay as long as he'd like, and that moth thing won't be giving him any nightmares, so that's nice of him. Yeah, and the moth says, like, uh, while he's away, he'll just look like he's offline or something. I, I don't know if that's an impression that time moves differently here, but uh, that other shoe was going to drop in just I mean, a the, bit the, here, the moth uh, had all this computeroso-type stuff, but the thing is, like, I'm expecting to, to know everything I need to know about that in this book. 
Yeah. You know, I don't feel like I should. We should be bringing what we know from what we learned in the dreaming to this necessarily. So that that's what sure. makes this really especially frustrating. For sure, for sure. Speaking of frustrating, we hop back to the mundane world, and uh, that bully. I still don't know if we ever got a name for this guy, but uh, he tells Mister Davies, that creepy librarian, a little bit more about seeing Tim use magic. And Davies is like, hey, you, you think you might be able to get him to use it again? Because uh, if an authority figure sees him use it, he's in trouble. Mm-mm. And so the bully's on it. And he even taunts that girl who Tim's been sniffing around for the past few issues. Uh, he tells her that her boyfriend is going to be in trouble, and she says, he's not my boyfriend. <laughs> uh, now, speaking of her, Davies asks her, asks her to accompany him into his office. And once there, he traps her inside a book. Yee. Like, just sucks her inside of it. She's uh, there on a pair of pages there. Uh, and he threatens to do the same to, uh, to Tim. To Tim. Then we hop back into the dreaming, and Tim is being told a story by Cain and Abel. And I, I like this part a lot, because uh, it gets to a moment where they, where they don't know the ending. Because <laughs> people, people usually don't hang around the dreaming that long. They usually pop in and out, so they never need to come up with right, an ending. Right, right, yeah. It's true. That's how dreams are, you know? Yeah. But Tim's just laying there, lounging out in the grass, waiting for them to finish the story. But it turns out that this isn't even Cain or Abel. This is actually Brute and Glob. And it's revealed here that Tim has been away for two or three days. So kind of goes against the uh, just being offline sort of thing. This is actually him being somewhere else while time is passing. Yeah. At least I think. Uh, Now, Tim flips out because he knows he should have been home a long time ago. But he can't find a way out. And so he's approached by a kindly raven who tells him that Yo-Yo the Owl is the key to getting out, and he wishes him luck because he's going to need it. And I don't think this is Matthew the Raven, right? I think this is the... the it had a different voice. Word different, balloons, like, yeah, yeah, different. That's yeah. what made me think it was another... They look, all the Ravens look the same, pretty much. But yeah. This does see... And this all didn't... This all it was dominance. It was Lucifer that started with all the, the Ravens, the Mermaid Were they were eating ravens. the Ravens? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm getting, getting my books mixed up here. But anyway, uh, Ravens are obviously a big deal to these... Uh, interconnected dreaming books and uh here's another one to help tim out so uh yeah that was, this was one that started real promising until almost exactly when the preview pages ended funnily <laughs> enough uh, it was like five pages in what it was like it just went it just kind of took a tank and it was like i liked i liked a lot of aspects of it you know i, I liked the story with Cain and abel uh sure. i liked his interaction with eve okay uh mm-hmm. and you know getting clarification i didn't really feel one way or another about the moth thing, but this still feels like we're just kind of running in place more, just waiting for something to happen. Uh, what, what was mm-hmm. your take on it? Well, we were, like, looking at, like, we've got four books here, and they're and the, the timelines are all over the place here, because, uh, like, I, I don't know, because I even asked you, since you, you know more about this whole line than I do, I asked if this moth child thing is could be a reference to anything from the 90s into the 2000s that I might not know about, because I think we're supposed to know about it. I, I don't know anything. I mean, when I really think about it, I think there may have been references to moths before, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm not... Not this moth. Not that I would remember. It it would have been something and, and so we're, ancillary. We're calling it, and we're calling it a moth just from our own sort of vision here, because it might not even be. I mean, I, I just don't know. And it, and it just seems like there sh- this should be a little bit tighter than it is, because uh, like if you were just reading this book, you wouldn't know what the hell you were looking at. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think. I mean, these these are expensive books. I mean, that's twelve bucks a month that you need to follow all these books to get a reference to a thing that might make sense or might be meaningful. Yeah. And uh, I just, uh, I just don't know. And it, it just seems like 
we have uh, the, the the house of secrets that, that there's no mention of a boat being anywhere so we got to assume that she's gone <laughs> or i mean just it's just so wonky I the, mean, the thing about going. that is is that we know that you know if they made it so that boat had landed in the dreaming but you know they don't mention it all the time that's that's whatever but that's, we know, yeah. we know that it landed right next to the library right there. you know like right next to everything so <laughs> it's like every time we see the library and we don't see it it's like but we also know she did shove off Last she issue to somewhere, you know, whatever. Yeah. We don't know what happened or whether it's going to end up. So, I mean, that's you know, I could accept wacky, you know, time differences. Hmm. I, I would accept, say, that this was two months into, you know, since the last issue of The Dreaming, especially if they would sure. help us by saying that, for example. But that, <laughs> We're but saying then you, just after issue six. But well, then, it has to be after issue six because of the moth. Because the moth. But but I would even, yeah. you know, they could even say it was much longer. But you could even let let us know in the narrative by letting us know some information that we that we didn't have before, you know what I mean, uh, that we need to, to understand what this moth is and what, you know what I mean? Like, we're as clueless in this book as we are in the dreaming about what the hell the moth is about, and that's doesn't seem like good storytelling to me. Uh, in fairness, in fairness, there were only four editors on this book. <laughs> that's true. So, I mean, you can't expect them to catch everything. Well, I, I just think this should have been tighter. I do agree. I, I, I think, as we say a lot, a, for a lot of comics, what we're seeing is a very expanded six-issue arc yes. here. Yes. Uh, already, my feeling is there are already two two issues in here that essentially Tim just ran back and forth from school to home a couple of times, and <laughs> that's right. That's, that's really all that happened. You know, it's like <laughs> little things happen in between, but you could you could have easily put them into one issue. And uh, yeah, I think we're just falling victim to a very expanded arc. Uh, and I bet, and I have a feeling next issue is going to explain everything very similarly to the way all of a sudden we <laughs> Lucifer su- number five exactly yeah. <laughs> suddenly it was like oh suddenly we, now we know everything that's going on and, and it was really annoying because we had no like clues to it where it would come up so uh, yeah you know this, this series though is is less disappointing to me than Lucifer in that it's just more mediocre you know what I mean it's more sort of status it's, quo it's hard to get mad at yeah it's it, just there it looks nice and like i say those those preview pages i loved them i loved uh the yeah that uh, outer limits twilight zone wacky it was so colorful the eyeballs so in the sky and the yeah. cracks that was, that was really cool i like that a lot i was enjoying that but it was it was short-lived uh <laughs> what are we giving this in the written world uh we're giving this a uh seven out of ten uh just a mediocre score for an overall mediocre issue i call that you know to me that's mediocre high you know but i would give it i would go the same way because it's just it's nothing to be mad at yet you know no, uh we no. we ended up being or i ended up at least being a little more mad at lucifer last time because <laughs> i felt a little bait and switch so far yeah, we're, sure. so far we haven't gotten the switch we, you know, <laughs> not <we'll>, yet <laughs> we, you know if we got the bait we haven't gotten the switch so i'm not mad but i definitely do feel like this is a lot of money to be reeling out on a story that we just don't really know what the hell's happening yet so uh Hopefully this will uh, wrap up so lovely in the sixth issue that we will forget all of our uh, negative <laughs> comments giving, and feelings yes. and we will be on board at 100%. Uh, we're recording this a little earlier in the week than even even usually when we record earlier, so we're not positive, but next week we're pretty sure we're going to get the Dreaming number seven. Probably. We have no reason to believe that we won't. They haven't missed a week yet, even on the nope. weird fifth weeks, which is now, these books are now like sort of, off from where they were, right? Wasn't it? 
I guess no, it's still, it's I think, still no we, we we corrected at the end of January because yeah, so uh, we had that, two that, books of magic. Right, right, yeah. right. That's what did it. So, uh, all right, yeah, well, we are course corrected on uh, mm-hmm. the Sandman <laughs> universe. Uh, if the book doesn't come out, though, then we'll talk to you another time. But there you are. <laughs> uh, if it does, we'll talk to you next week. But I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? No, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks. I want you to keep it uh, dreamy. <laughs> segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we're coming to you this week with three books because we have been remiss for the last couple episodes, as you can hear. My mm. voice is still kind of struggling. But <laughs> as Chris can attest, this is the best it's been in about two weeks, right? You're, Absolutely. You heard me the other day. It sounded like I... Uh, I heard you last of, week. Heard you yeah, the other day. It's uh, needles in my. We're mouth, on the upswing, so. though. Yes, I'm. I'm coming back, folks. This is. Uh, you know, this isn't perfect. Hopefully, this sounds breathy though enough for you. So, first one we got is from three weeks ago. Now it's uh, the dreaming number seven story is love part one by Simon Spurrier, Abigail Larson, and Quentin Winter. So we're beginning a new arc. Uh, let's find out what Daniel Dream has been up to since he fled the dreaming. Uh, way back in issue one. At the hospital, Rose Walker is visiting her ailing mother. Uh, Fans of the original Sandman series know that Rose was heavily mixed up in that story. Uh, I'm not going to go into the specifics because it actually, she she winds in and out of it. But uh, pertinent to this particular story, we know that she doesn't age. And I'll tell you now because she lost her heart in a vortex created by her grandmother, Unity Kincaid, if you are curious as to why that happened, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> I know that made a lot of sense. Uh, oh, yes. Also, she babysat Daniel when he was still a human, which will be weird in a moment. Uh, down the hall from her mother is Lucian. That's the Dreaming's former librarian. Uh, he didn't die after all. How about that? Yeah. Rose was following Daniel around, and she was on hand when Daniel left Lucian squirming in the dirt. Now, Lucian is barely responsive, but Rose tells him her story anyway. Which is, uh, you know, pretty convenient for us. I gotta say, thank you. Uh, <laughs> now, while she talks, Rose nervously flips a heart-shaped lighter open and closed. We learn that Rose's mom is dying of cancer, and that Rose has a daughter named Icy, uh, I'm sorry, Ivy, who's a tab- la, 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 tattoo artist. Uh, now, since Rose doesn't get older, she and Ivy are now relatively close in age. Though Rose admits that Ivy was always older, even when she wasn't. 
Uh, you know, see, Rose Walker is a, a bit of a flake. Yeah. Uh, you see. <laughs> I think we've known some other daughter combos like this in our lives, though, you know, where it's like the daughter this runs is, uh, the show. It's like uh, that Gilmore, uh, whatever. It's kind of like that. Yeah, a little bit like that. <laughs> now, uh, Rose moved into a place near an old inn called Forney Rig. Uh, this is another important place in Sandman, a kind of nexus of realities that uh, plays a role throughout the series, but. One issue in particular is like a anthology of stories that, <clears throat> pardon me, can converge on this in. Uh, this is a part that I thought might be lost on new readers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, nearby, uh, in that house, uh, Ivy was conceived, and the father, as, as far as I could tell, is anyone's guess at this point. I don't know. I couldn't figure out who it was. Despite not having a heart, though, or perhaps because she has no heart, Rose Walker falls deeply in love with people. But as she does not age, and they do, and because relationships are tricky, they often end in sadness, and uh, her sadness, specifically in this case. Mm-hmm. So Rose resigns to leave relationships before they get too heavy. Uh, enter Daniel Dream, who is vacationing in the real world at the, uh, the uh, what do we call it, the Forney Rig Inn. Um, they start dating and have themselves a nice psychedelic time. A lot of uh, sex news going on. Eventually, Rose felt too close to Daniel, and seeing that her daughter Ivy was lonely, sort of passed Daniel off onto Ivy. <laughs> what? Uh, I think that's like a that's like a Jerry Springer episode. I think right? I saw that one time. <laughs> <laughs> Throw some chairs across the stage. Uh, now, though awkward, it it actually works out. Uh, Daniel and Ivy fall deep in love, uh, though Daniel refuses to let Ivy lay a tattoo on him. Uh, now, Ivy has such a good time, she dyes her hair pink. Hey! Yeah, why not? And uh, Rose decides not to tell tell her that her grandmother has cancer. Uh, after a few weeks, Daniel asks Ivy to marry him. Uh, so she says yes and uh, gets a really short, punky haircut at this point. Yeah, so the hair tells all right here, you know. I think so. That, that tells you what time, kind of time you're having. So uh, then, through the manipulations of dream sibling desire and the rest of the endless... Daniel agrees to let Ivy tattoo him, and uh, she's made to ink some weird sigil on him so that when Daniel gets up from the tattoo, he's bleeding from the mouth, which, strictly speaking, he really shouldn't be. He's sort of immortal and stuff. Uh, At that moment, when she tells that part of the story, Rose hears her mom screaming from down the hall and muses that the diseased and dying feel it first when the world breaks a heart. Whatever the hell that means. But, uh... (laughs) You know, one thing I liked about this, this has a new art team on it. It and, does. Uh, as you know, uh, Chris, I'm a huge fan of Bilquis Evely, and uh, mm-hmm. I was very much like, what, don't take, do not take my Bilquis Evely away. I like that these were much more open, you know, this is a different story. There was a brightness to a lot of these panels. An uh, airiness, yeah. Uh, that I appreciated. Uh, you know, it's again, it's a different story, different locations, but uh, I really thought I liked the way it looked a lot. It, it definitely felt like... We were heading into a new chapter, so uh, I yeah. appreciated that just on a visual level. But I'm, sure. I'm really curious to know what you thought about it as someone that isn't as familiar with the original Sandman story. I'm, I'm not really familiar with that story at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm learning more and more every day that I'm less familiar with it than I even <laughs> initially. Um you know, I'm never going to hold it against a book where they where they actually reward a reader's loyalty. I, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big proponent of that. If uh, if you're a fan of something from 20 years ago and it comes back and they still give you the fan service, that's cool with me. That's that tells me that the company actually gives a crap that you're still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a guy coming in cold like myself, 
it wasn't a bad issue, but it really didn't. Uh, it really didn't like land for me. You know, it really yeah. didn't. I didn't. When I when Rose came on the screen, she she could have been a brand new character for all I knew. Right. It uh, really didn't. Uh, it didn't peak. You know, I, my eyes didn't bulge when I saw her. It's just, which I think was the uh, was the reaction they were looking for, and it, the reaction they probably got from longtime loyal Sandman. Readers. It, it seems to have resonated with fans of Sandman, and that definitely was sure. supposed to be the uh, Kramer moment. You know, everyone applaud when Rose Walker yeah. comes on, but. <laughs> <clears throat> the way they handled Rose Walker, for example, though, I think was okay, where you, you do get enough to understand there's something, you know, supernatural about yeah. her, that she obviously has a history, and, you know, the, 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 the basis is that she doesn't age, therefore, she can kind of span across several generations. Sure. Uh, you don't need to know all the other stuff, but then, when they get into the Endless uh, at the end, and that stuff about Forney Rig... You sort of do need to know a little bit more. Um, you know, yeah. you're not really getting That's advanced. Yeah, that you're not really getting what you need to understand the import of that. And you know, so uh, I feel like it succeeded for new readers. It, see, the, the problem is you can you know what it is when you're not a new reader of something. You'll never know what it is. You know that that will resonate with new readers. Of course, uh, of it's course. always a, it's always a crapshoot. But this is something where I was like, no, they they should really either explain the endless at this point or back off of it because it's sort of a big concept and if they're going to keep fooling around with it in this uh volume of you know the sandman or whatever or uh, the dreaming they should explain a little better but for me as a fan of sandman i got a lot of fan service out of this and enjoyed sure, sure. enjoyed a lot of it as i said i liked it visually uh, it's just that overall, uh, the story was a little convenient, a story told to a ailing patient in a hospital. Uh, that, that's that's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a facilitated story. Bring on, a... bring on the yeah. actual story now, please. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's, yeah, let's this, this, this was a nice visit with Lucy into the hospital. Now let's uh, actually have something happen. So that looks like what's coming next. So. I uh, you know I look forward to it, but I I gave this one on the site a seven point five. What do you think you would throw this one in the uh, weird world? I'd probably be around the same place because uh, while it didn't resonate with me as much as it did with you, I, I appreciate that it that it tried to resonate with with uh, folks who were familiar with it. I I can't and I'm I'm probably relying on this point too much, but I there've been so many. So many books in current year that have been disavowing the past and yeah. pushing away the loyal fans to where if I see a if I see a series or an imprint that's actually catering <laughs> to the fans that they know they have, yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, even if, even if, if I'm not part not of it, <laughs> yeah, even if I'm not part of it, I can't hold that against it, and I really, really want to hold them up as uh, as doing something right in the uh, in the comics world here. So yeah, while it didn't rock my socks, it didn't make me mad either. I didn't yeah. feel left out, um which I think is is probably the strongest thing about it. Though I knew I was missing something, but I didn't feel left out. That's key. To the and whole thing, uh, yeah. that is very important, yeah. I think. So yeah, 7.5, very very strong 7.5. Cool. Uh, do, do you think it makes you want to read Sandman? Not not that I'm going to hold you to it, but does it make you interested or you know, in in that in that world where I where I'm where I'm able to read a million books at a yeah. million seconds and a right, right. Sandman would be there. He would sure. be on that. Uh, sure. I never didn't read Sandman because I didn't want to. Yeah, it it's was just a matter of time. Oh, yeah, God. we are we're in the same boat with that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking about in the same boat, how about that for a segue? Hey. <clears throat> uh, the next one we'll t- talk about is 
came out two weeks ago, and that's House of Whispers number seven. Uh, story is The Troubles I've Seen by Nalo Hopkinson and Dan Waters. Uh, art by Dominique Domo Stanton, John Rauch, Isaac Goodhart, MNK, Nahuel Pan, and Aneke. So, uh, Madame Ezruli, on a boat infused with the spirit of one of her three husbands, has left the dreaming on a stream of whispers. Mm -hmm. uh, the husband within her boat, incidentally, is the one that dressed like Napoleon. His name is Agwe. On the boat is Uncle Monday and a handful of the souls that were trapped in the dreaming by Kotar's delusion. You follow me? So far. So far, so far, okay. Uh, of course, Maggie and Latoya are with them, Latoya being the first one to get it and pass so, it along. Yeah. And uh, the guy that's part goose is also flapping around. Uh, I think he's providing some reconnaissance, I think. I'm not positive, but he's there also. He's there. Yeah. Now, Israeli's husband wants to stop being a boat just as soon as possible because uh, he's forgetting who he is and uh, got to say, join the club. Really? I, uh, who are you? <laughs> oh, boy. Now, Israeli is determined to get back to the real world so she could stop her nephew, Shakpana. That's the steampunk kid here right. uh, and, and put things right. Uh, she calls upon her loyal avatar, Ulta Boy. Yeah. And uh, he's only too ready to be of, uh, to be of assistance here. So we cut to the real world, where Maggie and Latoya <clears throat> just happen to be walking down the street when they overhear the ritual that Azruli's followers are using to conjure her, which is why she can talk to Alter Boy. Uh, they can sense that their souls are nearby, so the two force their way into this house. And there's a ghostly Azruli possessing Alter Boy, while Latoya and Maggie's souls also swirl around her. To get them back, Latoya releases Shakpana which I didn't even know that she'd captured him. But No, what? Okay, she had him okay. and throws him down like a pokeball, says, you know, I choose you. Uh, as Ruli's worried that the crazed shock powder will infect her again, remember that's his thing, is he's a plague carrier. Uh, so she just leaves with the ghost, just like, literally just scrams, uh, you know, <laughs> up to the sky. <laughs> and now there are like half a dozen ghosts with her, so I don't know what that's about. <laughs> Uh, Shakpana wants to go after Ezruli, but he needs a horse. Uh, I'm just taking that at face value. I don't know why a ghost can't follow a ghost, Chris. I don't, yeah, I'm, I didn't. I'm just going to say, fine, that's fine. Sure, sure. Uh, but in that, in that case, a horse is a person to possess. Now, if you remember, Shakpana was able to possess two people unwillingly. Seems like that's no longer an option for some reason. Hmm. Uh, Latoya offers herself up as a vessel. She doesn't even, she doesn't even have a soul, so... She's empty. Her her ghost is with uh, is on the boat. on the boat, yeah. maybe wherever she went. Uh, but Shakpana says she's not depraved enough for what he's about to do. So instead, he seeks out another guy that has Kotar's delusion, who's in jail, and that guy is in there for trying to eat somebody else, somebody else, as zombies do, because he thinks he's undead. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually did see that guy a couple of issues back, if you remember. Uh, Maybe Chris, uh, he, <laughs> it, it was a really quick scene, but I, I vaguely remember he, a guy gets jumped in the street and they, somebody tries to eat him. Uh, mm. Anyway, uh, Shakpana takes this guy over. We jump back to the boat that is, of course, Israeli's husband. Uh, Uncle Monday uses a book from the Dreaming's library to prop up a table. Uh, there's like three books under there. Uh, at that point, it's, uh, it's it's probably time to do a little bit of carpentry. Uh, yeah, you're no longer it's no longer a table; it's a book stand now. Come it's on, just man. A, yes. <laughs> now, as Ruli tells the Goose Man that she's uh, going to untangle these webs between the dreaming and the living, not to mention unweaving her husband from this houseboat. Um, and who better to do that than a uh, 
giant spider, perhaps, uh, maybe one named Kuwaku. Um, now, she seeks the help of the Corinthian, a walking nightmare with toothy mouths for eyeballs. Yeah, this is actually the second Corinthian. Uh, the first was eliminated by Morpheus in the Sandman series, and we meet this new one uh, towards the end also. I think Daniel made him, but <clears throat> this is sort of a big character in Sandman. It had uh, its own uh, series, a couple of miniseries, I believe. Uh, did he really? Okay. Back in the I, 90s, I, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised because he was really a uh, quite a guy, quite a fella. So anyway, Corinthian and Quaku are buddies, uh, so the Corinthian will introduce them, but warns that Quaku's a glutton for whatever it is that nightmare spiders eat, so hmm. he'll eat a lot of it. Look sure. Uh, through this whole story we just told you was woven one of the Corinthian's nightmares, as observed by the Goose Man and unleashed on a female dreamer. Uh, the story, the nightmare is that one day animals worldwide develop enlarged eyes, which makes them look more sympathetic. Uh, so people feel bad about eating them. Much of the world goes vegetarian, and there's an underground elite who continue to eat meat. And even more brazenly, they go right for the eyeballs. Hmm. Uh, after a time, they try the most forbidden eyeballs of all, the human being eyeballs. And guess what, Chris? They're, they're the most delicious ones. They look the most delicious. You, 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 so you, I they have it. to be, you know. It's like yeah. all the great things that humans see. Uh, <laughs> so large corporations are able to justify the eating of human eyeballs on the grounds that they're the most nutritious. And all this time, the dreamer is trying to campaign against this practice with little success or support. At the end of the dream, she finds herself in a restaurant that specializes in human eye dishes sitting across from the Corinthian. Which is a little too cute by half, I would say, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, a little on the nose or on the eye in this case. <laughs> uh, what are your impressions of? Let, just let's 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 put the Corinthian story aside. Talk about that a little bit separately. Just okay. the Ezruli stuff. Just the the whisper stuff. I haven't the foggiest idea. Um, yeah. This. Uh... This was one of those books where it took a couple of runs to to get through it. Um, it's uh, it just feels so unfocused. I mean, we went from I mean, this book has never been focused, mm-hmm. but at least we kind of had a direction. Where here it just feels like, like this feels like uh, like it could be it could have been like a backup story, you know, like in a in in the previous yeah. six or whatever issues. This could have been parceled out as a as a uh, backup story. Because it's just so uh, meandering. Well, I seem to recall that wasn't there like a worldwide problem a, a few issues back, and now it's Maybe? Like all the stakes. Well, it was like people. It was like Kotar's illusion was being passed. It was taking over, over yeah. But now it was on the news, yeah. It seems like that's that the stakes have evaporated. It's uh, more isolated now, yeah. I, I don't know how Shakpana was caught. I don't remember that happening at all. Last I remember, he went to the dreaming with. With uh, Agwe, with Napoleon guy. I thought uh, so. Well, that's what we thought. We could have sworn it's how one of them ended. Uh, I don't really understand now how they can, I guess they can talk to Ezruli because she's on the, the stream of whispers. There's just so much that doesn't make any sense. And there's no, no. Uh, internal like common sense logic to apply because it's, it's a weirdo, you know, religious story. And, and that's fine, yeah. but... We need a glossary, folks. We need a map. We need some we need kind help. of clue. Uh, yeah. In this case, I have done a scan of essentially the wiki on Madame Esruli and a little bit about Cajun lore, uh, and I learned a few things that that. But 
nothing that really helps me from this, for this story. Nothing no, certainly not. It tells me anything that really explains why her husband was able to become a boat and why that why that bothers him. I don't really understand what's happening in this book, and it's really frustrating now. Seven yeah. uh, issues, uh, otherwise known as twenty eight dollars in. <laughs> uh, you know, art. There's no problems, but it's no. irrelevant because. When you don't know what's happening, then it's just pretty pictures doing whatever they do. Yeah, uh, it, it's like, uh, you know, I, I understand that there's, especially in like a book that is part of like the, you know, the the heady imprint, like you want to have like these little these little symbols here that people will reflect on later and be like, oh, that was very clever. Yeah. But this is just like there's there's no other story here. It's all that. Yeah, I, I like, you know what you're right, like. This this would be a case where something we saw in issue one or two would mm. co- would come back now and we'd be like, oh wow, that's the the thing yeah, oh, that, that's clever, yeah. That's the scepter that they whatever. Nothing. Everything is new. Every 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 page is like a brand new day. Like you yeah. know, like <laughs> yeah. They need every page needs to come with a QR code that brings you to the right Wikipedia page. It's, it really it really does. You're not you're not getting you're not slipping one past the goalie here with the symbolism. You're just really frustrating. Uh, yeah, I think about like uh, if if anybody's. Uh, if anybody's familiar with anime, uh, there was a Neon Genesis Evangelion is a, is a highly regarded series that had a lot of religious imagery, a lot of Judeo-Christian imagery in there. I mean, the Sephiroth tree uh, was like a big part of it. That, that symbol is everywhere. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about that, you could see how some of it kind of uh, – how some of the bits of it go into the story, but you don't need it. Right. You it's can make his story extra. work without it. You know what I mean? Exactly, and it works perfectly fine. I mean, you you can excise the whole thing and not miss a beat. Where this, the if you excise the mythology, we're looking at twenty two empty pages. Right. Yeah. You're right. And it's just like what 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 are we trying to do here? It's it's. I, I get that you know we want to be clever, but at the cost of the story, it's really just a. It's just not a pleasant read. It's not a pleasant experience. It's not. It's not an inherently. Intrinsically good, uh, you know, story that works. Uh, Certainly as, not. As for the Corinthian nightmare, uh, I thought it was a little lame. You know, okay. um, the Corinthian obviously is a character, as you said. He, you know, he had a mini series. He was loomed large in the original Sandman. Uh, he eventually tries to usurp Sandman. That's why he gets taken down. But he's clearly a visual. Is the shocking thing? He pulls down his glasses and he's got mouths. For yeah, eyes. Eyes, yeah. So then to do a nightmare <laughs> about eyeballs. And, yeah. You know, like, he, he, I don't remember him doing one like that before. It's always a nightmare of, you know, whatever your worst nightmare would be. And while it is, the idea of eating eyeballs is kind of gross and nightmarish. Yeah. Just a little, little too cute, I thought. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Didn't add much to the story. Uh, although it added something that I at least understood. Well, you see, I don't. All I know about the Corinthian is that when I'm digging through back issue bins, there are books that say the Corinthian on okay. the cover. <laughs> so I, I don't know anything about them. So a lot of this was lost on me. And you know, like I said when we talked about the dreaming, I, I, I definitely respect that kind of a thing. Yeah. When it works. I mean, if this dude's whole motif is one thing, <laughs> you kind of leave. Let me know. That's the thing is that <laughs> is that it le- it might leave a new reader with the impression that he's the eyeball guy. That's it. And uh, he's not. He, he's he's a guy. He's like he's a nightmare like brute and glob. 
Mm-hmm. But he's a different, he's a more sophisticated nightmare, like these, whatever these creatures. Yeah, he's not that, being led around, he's not being controlled or led around he by has, he has uh, a little bit someone stronger. Yeah. Right, exactly, his own. And there are other nightmares, too, theoretically, and whatever. Uh, Judge Shallows sure. is one of them, too. Of course. Uh, so that's that's what his thing is. But you're right. It's it's not clear. It's not 100% clear. And, uh-uh. again, by doing this eyeball thing, I was like, don't make him, <laughs> don't make him the eyeball guy. That's not, that's not what he's about. But anyway, it's, it's not like that, really. That yeah, was and, not and my problem like, with the story. And if you're, a, if you're a brand-new reader, and we talk about the mythology that this book tries to evoke here, Corinthian is a, is a, is a, is a biblical term, right. you know? So it's like, are people who have no real frame of reference for the Sandman series, are they going to try to look up Corinthian as a, a, a Christian concept or right. a biblical concept or a Sandman and Endless concept? It's, it's really just a, we need we need more. We need help. Yeah, when you do your wiki searches, remember to put DC Comics in the search, yes. folks. You, Corinthian parenthesis comics. Sometimes yeah. you turn up things <laughs> you don't want to see. Uh, or, you know, maybe you will want to see it. It's going to be a new journey for you. It might add something to you. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, this I find this comic to be disappointing just because it's uh, just giving us imagery and no substance. All It's all style, yeah. no substance. And uh, on the side, I gave this... A four out of ten. How do you think you'd feel about it? More than fair. More than fair. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, it's like we talk about some books that make us mad. This really, this is a, more yeah. of just like you said, a disappointment. It, it, it doesn't make uh, me mad. Uh, yeah, it's not gonna. It's not gonna. You know, get our dander up. It's just like, oh. <laughs> I won't even say it's like a low quality book. You know what I mean? It has a lot. The production value, production value sure. to it. It just doesn't have a coherent story, and that is exactly that's the main that's necessary a big problem. A big yeah. problem, yeah. But anyway, now we're all caught up to the current uh, comic, which is what Chris. Yes, uh, Lucifer number six. Story is called A Long-Awaited Comeuppance, and it's by Dan Waters, Seb- Sebastian and Max Fiamara, Dave McKegg, and Steve Wands. And uh, it feels it feels like it's been months since we read Lucifer 5. I know, it does. It's only because we also <laughs> haven't recorded this segment in weeks Probably. now. Probably. <laughs> now, uh, we open this story inside the skull. Now, this is, uh, we find out, remember we found out that that storybook village was inside of Sycorax's skull. Mm. That was uh, re- revealed uh, last issue, I believe. Mm. Now, in here, Sycorax has finished sewing up Lucifer, and uh, they walk through that storybook village only to find it disturbingly empty. Well, actually, it turns out it only looks empty because as they walk, Lucifer is struck in the head by a Molotov cocktail being hurled from a window. And then all the townspeople strike, and they're even wielding pitchforks. So it's a... Yeah, yeah, the classics never die. Uh, Now, Sycorax looks on while Lucifer burns. Uh, We jump over to to a scene at Gately House where Caliban and that woman with the annoying speech impediment, which was really bad this time. There were just flat-out balloons. I don't know what they said. Yeah, yeah, I just scanned right over. I looked at a couple. I was like, forget it. I'll figure it out. Yeah, forget this. Now, they together realize that Sycorax's skull has been taken. If you remember, it was behind that closed door in Gately House. Uh, Caliban immediately knows that John Decker was the culprit, and uh, then they they uh, they grow some demons. <laughs> it looks like, like it. I don't know where they came like, from, but it's like there's like a giant eyeball that like starts growing flesh, <laughs> and like then they uh, <laughs> we're doing the eyeball motif this week. Maybe, yeah. Uh, 
And then they plan to follow the uh, trail that Decker left them because apparently he left a trail. Yeah, well, you, you see that the window is busted. There's like blood on it, but I assume they also mean some sort of a spectral, some ethereal, a spectral yeah. GPS is going to be employed or something. <laughs> uh, speaking of Decker, we join him as he rushes back to his motel room with the skull in tow. Uh, Ewell is still lying dead on the bed. Decker frantically tears through his backpack until he finds a large flashlight. He's not sure why, but he knows that he must destroy the skull, which actually is what Caliban uh, says he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Like that's what humans always do, <laughs> and so he lifts the flashlight above his head, and we switch scenes. Hey. We jump into the skull, where we find ourselves in the midst of a full-blown riot. Sycorax wills up some ravens with a marginal success. Yeah, uh, we learn that all of these rioters were people who Lucifer had helped in the past and uh, did so with uh, monkey paw esque favors. You know, Faustian uh, bargains, we'll say. Yes, yes very much so. <laughs> and now they're pissed. Yeah. Now, Lucifer, who's still on fire, continues fighting off the townsfolk, including that mad poet, William Blake, who we spent an awful lot of time with, and he gets dismissed pretty quickly. I know, he gets whapped so in the face with a shovel. <laughs> I love it. It's actually hilarious. It's like we spent the whole issue learning about well, he this comes guy. Up, he's, like, he's like, what of me, Lucifer? You know, what of what, what you've done? Bam! You're done. Smack. Now, uh, Lucifer fights his way to a bell tower where Stingy Jack is. He tells the town people that he never claimed to be anything than what he is, and they seem contented by that, or maybe bored or yeah, tired, all of the above. Who knows? They're still mad, but they're just like, nah, screw it. Um, uh, Lucifer and Sycorax climb up the bell tower, with Lucifer becoming more and more like his clean-cut, pointy-haired self, so he's not looking like Alan Moore anymore. He's got, like, the little pointy tips on his hair. Also, well, while like he was corned. burned, he looked like hell. I mean, he, he, was, he, like, he was like a cinder he looked, for a minute there. He, he looked like a, like the cloud that was around Pigpen. From, you know, <laughs> it's just like a scramble. <laughs> Uh, now they make it to the top of the tower where, where sits Stingy Jack. Now he has Sycorax for that shard of moonlight. You know, that, that thing that showed up for like two panels last yeah, issue. I, did, I had no memory of this, by the way. No, me either. Okay. I had to look back. Uh, but then uh, Stingy Jack is tickled by the fact that this story has already played out a few times, which we already know isn't really a surprise. He's yeah. put Lucifer through this repetitive ringer for quite some time, but he points out that the last three times has been this new wrinkle with the uh, moon shard. With the shard, yeah. So uh, Jack releases some shadow demon things from his Hellfire Lantern thing and uh, six <laughs> upon Lucifer. Uh, he claims to have a man working on the outside to keep the skull safe and uh, I think he's talking about Yoel here. I, I agree Gotta with that. Be, right? I, uh, yeah. Who else could it be? But Sycorax reveals that she too has a man on the outside, and she's definitely referring to Decker because she's the one talking to him in his yes, head. Yes. Yeah. Now, speaking of Decker, he finally lowers the boom and smashes the skull, which results in it in tearing a rift into the storybook village. Jack is distracted, and so Lucifer shoves him from the top of the bell tower, and he falls all the way through the rift. Lucifer insists that he and Sycorax also vacate the skull before everything ceases to exist. On their way out, however, we get a little story time. We learn all about Caliban's birth and the exile to the island. So, the story is Sycorax was born near Algiers and is, was referred to as a witch. At first shunned, however, then she was embraced when the people realized she could be utilized as a healer. She felt a calling from the moon, who here is a male, you notice that? Yeah. Uh, one night she decided to answer that call, 
uh, the Earth, and she was like floating between the Earth and the Moon. And she was in love, uh, yes. yep, in love with the Moon. Uh, the Earth grew jealous, and all sorts of catastrophes occurred in her town: floods, earthquakes, death, destruction. <clears throat> After being returned to the Earth, Sycorax saw herself as weak and worthless. At which time, she met Lucifer, because that's kind yeah. of that's when he shows up usually. <laughs> that's his. That's his peak that's time. He's yes. like, ah, this is my turn. <laughs> and of course, they banged, because that's what happens. Indeed, and Sycorax found herself knocked up, and Lucifer realized that his father probably wouldn't take too kindly to his having an heir, and so he took uh, Sycorax to that island for exile where his father couldn't find her. Mm. We shift over to the fresco room that we've been popping in and out of for the past six months, where uh, Lucifer has just finished sharing a story with Caliban. We're assuming it's a similar story. Uh, Caliban looks pretty ticked off, and he feels as though his mother abandoned him. Then we go back to the present, sort of, where Lucifer and Sycorax leap into the rift in the skull. And they arrive in the mundane world, in that motel room, right in front of a slumped John Decker. Then Caliban and the speech impediment girl burst into the room. And we have a brief mother and child reunion. Yes. Oh, and uh, Stingy Jack is there too. He looks. He looks pissed off. He's under the bed. Like he's not happy. He's not happy. Uh, Lucifer drags Jack out of the motel room, where we find hundreds of spear-wielding angels descending upon them. Yeah, they planned to land in that Gately house where they would have been protected. Yep. But uh, it didn't work out that way. So not this time. It is a uh, motel. Lucifer versus versus the angels. So uh, this was an interesting one, huh, Chris? <laughs> I think so. I think uh, the, I think the initial interesting part was that that the, a sixth issue ended with a to be continued. That was really weird, and uh, <clears throat> I wasn't expecting that. Probably my least favorite part of this, to be honest I with agree. you. I agree. I agree because I don't want another six issues of the same story. Because there's a lot of there was a lot of payoff here. Yeah. Uh, you know, the breaking of the skull. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the part where the people that, you know, had made deals with the devil were, were up, striking were back, coming yep. after him. And, and then his excuses of like, no, man, you know, you, first of all, you came to me. Yep. Uh, you know, and that whole, that whole interaction, I was like, wow, this is the kind of interaction I want to see. Um, yep. It's like the old man who saved the, uh, who what fought a snake out of a block of ice. And the first thing the snake does when he's healed is bite the guy. There you go. You know, it's the guy's like, like, why did you bite me? I saved you. And the snake's what, like, what do you want? I'm a snake. What did you think I was about? You know what I mean? Exactly. It was like, <laughs> hey, man, you, you, you made a deal with me and, uh, you're sorry. It'll go the way you wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like that. And, uh, I just liked a lot of this issue. What I yep. don't like is that we had to go six issues to get here. <laughs> to get here, right? It seems so unnecessary. This story generously could have been three issues. I really, I mean that. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. You know, we could have had an issue of Lucifer, his, his repetition, mm-hmm. an issue of his realization, and this. Because, well, I mean, even awesome. our first issue, if we go back six months, the first issue was all about John Decker and his and Penny Ewell. Yeah, it was a whole other story. Like, and, and it was just like so much unnecessary filler there, I think, because I don't feel any stronger about Penny now than no. I would have if her story was truncated to two or three pages it, instead of the majority of an issue. You're exactly right. You know, it, it could have been mentioned that. Sure. You know, basically, the way we kind of remembered what you know, the kind of recaps they do every issue to say like his wife had a brain tumor and she mm-hmm. was hearing voices and da da da, uh, and now he's hearing voices. It, it all it all came together kind of in the last couple of issues anyway. Yeah. Uh, and we really just wandered around for three or four of them. Uh, I would, like I say, this would have been a nice 
three issue arc, you know, like one, two, I'm, three. I'm even thinking back. We had those those uh, the witch sisters there waiting for a phone call. It's like just so much so much wasted space. It is. Where, it is. Uh, it's rough. <laughs> it, it was it was a rough to get here, but uh, this particular issue, I mean, this issue almost could read alone. It's it's uh, it's yeah. almost a complete story. It's it's that pretty. It's solid. It's well paced. Uh, really I really yeah. I really enjoyed this issue. Uh, and you know, I can't. I won't deny that. You know, it took. It's because of what we read before. Obviously, not like mm-hmm. just just this alone. But uh, that's my my complaint is is the. $24 that preceded yeah. it it's it's not worth that much no um, this should be a, this should be a trade this should be just an original graphic novel that would have been, it would have been great as it a, would have been because there's no there's just following this month to month i mean the, the i i mentioned it in the review on the site i mean the seams really start to show yeah and uh and also the seams in your wallet start to show because it's like what what are we spending 4 bucks for for so little forward momentum, and then we get this info dump. And I said in the review, it's like this is an info dump that like Chris Claremont would like cringe from. Yeah, I mean this is just a lot of story all at once, and we go from famine to feast, yeah. and it's just so uneven. Where if this was just one solid block of a story in an oversized issue or a prestige format or a trade, it'd be like. Okay, this is satisfying. I, I think so too. I, I think you could have charged twenty four bucks. Why not for for a nice, you know, whatever a, the like the six mm-hmm. issue trade, and just parsed it out a little better. Uh, yeah. Instead of yeah. having us wander around for two and three issues, like we don't know who is what. Remember, we thought yeah. that Jack, uh, stingy Jack, might be Jack the Ripper. Jack because the Ripper. Why not? We he could be anybody. We had no <laughs> idea who he was. You know. <laughs> Frankly, I'm not sure who he is now, except I know he's not he Jack the Ripper. But, uh, <laughs> or maybe he might be. We're not positive. But um, I can't deny that I, I like this issue. And I, I, yes. I'm not going to uh, weigh this issue just based on the fact that the previous issues cost too much. Although that, that does play a factor. Uh, what did you give it on this site? I gave it a strong 8 out of 10. I thought it was uh, probably between this issue and the issue that came out last month. Some really, really super yeah. strong stuff, but um, you know that that comes with the conceit that all the stuff we got was revelation. I mean, yeah. we we are getting we're getting the we're getting the payoff, but it's the payoff isn't being isn't coming out piecemeal. It's just like okay, you want answers? Boom, here you can't answers. handle the truth, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, but it, I definitely appreciate that we are getting answers. It's just I don't like the method in which we got. No, them. it's it, and you are hundred percent right. This would have made a really good graphic novel. Uh, yeah, I think that's so. That's what this should have been. This, this is you're you're very right. But uh, I think I, I think I'm still going to come in seven point five. I'm going <laughs> to. I just can't get over the fact that it costs. I'm too I'm too cheap at heart. <laughs> Uh, that really is my only problem because otherwise this is a pretty great issue uh, yeah. it really is a fun issue and if you have been reading and paid that money then you have to get this one this is this is you do you know if if you were like i'm out i'm out after six well check this one out believe me this is what you are waiting for but uh yeah. <laughs> we don't blame you if you felt like you were done after six that's all i have to say <laughs> about that so uh that i think finally brings us up to date it does, Chris. And uh, by the end of this, my voice is still cracky, but getting a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming back. It's coming coming back. back, little by little. By next week, I should be hopefully right back as where I used to be. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week, we have what? Books of Magic 
six. Six. We're six. assuming we have books of magic number yeah, six. Yeah, we don't have it yet, but we're pretty sure. We're pretty sure. I think so. I think we could bet on that. But uh, I think that's all we got from this week. Chris, got anything else for him? No, if you're if you're still listening, thanks for uh, sticking with us <laughs> <Yeah>. this long. <laughs> yeah, all of you Sandman Universe fans, I want you to keep it dreamy. See ya. There is freedom within. There is freedom without. Try to catch the deluge in a paper cup. There's a battle ahead. Many battles are lost, but you'll never see the end of the road while you're traveling. Now